Coming to you on some serious tape delay via a podcast near you. From that hockey hotbed of San Jose, California, it's Dudes on Hockey. He is now accepting callers. He is calling me Dude. And now your hosts, Mike and Doug. Hey there, and welcome to the Dudes on Hockey podcast. I'm Mike. That's Doug. Dude, I forgot what you looked like. Dude, I'm going to open this podcast with a tweet from okay. Brandon. Okay. Who said... Remember when you used to do podcasts? That was cool. We actually got an email from someone asking if we were still alive. Right. So uh, we appreciate your concerns. Um, They may have actually been hoping we were dead, though. (laughs) Maybe, so they wouldn't have to listen (laughs) to us drone on anymore. But the jokes on you were back. Yeah, too bad. We're back, dude. Uh, We were waiting for the Sharks to go on a win streak. So here we are. (laughs) Three weeks later. (laughs) Here we are, dude. Uh, Sharks on a win streak. Sharks... Having won uh, two in a row at home, wow! I believe going for a third tonight against Dallas, which will be a more difficult task, kind of. Although Dallas has really been poor on the road lately, mm-hmm. uh, facing their old netminder Auntie Niemi. But before we get into that, dude, I want to talk about the John Scott trade, dude. Before we get into that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a Christmas present. What? I got you a Christmas present, dude. What is this? Here you go. Read what it says. Stereo headset with microphone. Yeah, that's so when we record over Skype, your end doesn't sound like balls. Because now dude. you just like sound like you're in a big, big room, which you are. So now you have to look like a big dork, wear the headset when we do the Skype. I'm and then excited. We're actually going to have a real microphone, and then it won't sound like you're talking in a big fat tin can. Are you saying you don't want me to come over anymore? Well, not in so many <laughs> in words. Way, is it the scabies? <laughs> no, it's the scurvy. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, thank you, dude. Actually, it's just I the pink guy. It. just the pink guy. It's the pink guy. Yeah. It's the chronic pink guy. <laughs> the chronic pink guy. <laughs> it's, it's not contagious until I rub my face on your shirt. Yeah. Which, you know. Happens. Happens yeah. often. You know, since we're not on Periscope, you can't see that. What it's, that's what happened right before we started recording. Right. I saw right. Mike and I just rubbed my face all over his shirt. Well, dude, we haven't actually podcasted this entire year i know so, so happy 2016 dude and to you dude and so the sharks obviously have played way too many games since we last podcasted for us to speak about all of them uh there's been ups there's been downs there's been bad losses there's been overwhelming wins dude tell me about you as you mentioned with sharks have now won four in a row the sharks are mostly healthy logan couture is back in the lineup are, are we seeing a page being turned here? Some, you know, some columnists and other people are making noise as if, hey, the Sharks, they could be finally getting their groove. Couture is in there. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I can't go that far yet. <laughs> yeah. I can't go that far yet. It, because we've seen this groove happen already once or twice during the year, and then the Sharks have turned around and, and played awful uh, after having good stretches. So, you know, until we can see, I would say, you know, if, if they're playing, you know, 700 hockey for a good month, mm-hmm. you know I mean? If they're playing seven and three down, you know, consistently out of 10, then I think we can say they've turned a page. 
there's no doubt the opportunity is there. Like the, mm-hmm. the opportunity is there. Are they going to win the, the division? Probably not because LA is already 11 points ahead. Right. But can they have home ice for a playoff game? Yes. Can they? And now honestly, you know, dude, and, and I don't want to get off topic, but being winning the division, I don't know if that is necessarily even a good thing. Cause you think about if you win the division, that means you're going to have to play a team from the central right. that is probably better than you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause the wildcard teams are going to come from the central. Yes. You know, yes. so uh, likely you're drawing, you know, a Nashville, than having to play Arizona. Mm -hmm. So to the Sharks' best interest, it is to continue to play well and lock down that second seed in the Pacific and hang on. You know, although the Kings, you know, after making that huge Le Cavalier deal, they're on on pace to win the whole damn thing. So it's encouraging. There's no doubt it's encouraging, but um, not ready to say that the Sharks have found their groove yeah. yet. No, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think we can say to. that yet. And I'm looking over an email that we received only six days ago. Right. From friend of the podcast, Tom, which I'm going to read in its entirety because I think it's a great email. Yes. And, and as Tom wrote at, as the right at the writing of this email, the sharks are 27th in the overall league standing. So to keep this in perspective, the sharks are six days ago or 27th in the league. <laughs> In league standings, he said, we will be slotted to pick fourth overall in the next draft, have a fairly decent shot at winning the lottery. Oh, wait, we traded away our first round pick. He says, I've made this point several times. I think Doug Wilson is essentially running the franchise by himself. Jeff Merrick has said repeatedly on the Merrick versus Wyshynski podcast that he has been told as much. That Hasso Plotner basically is leaning heavily on Doug Wilson to understand how to be an NHL owner. Here's the question. Is there any accountability for Doug Wilson at this point? I've defended this guy ad nauseum, but if we miss a top five pick or a generational talent like Austin Matthews, I might seriously lose my, and then there's weird characters here. Even if we trade a roster player for another first, I cannot understand how Doug Wilson will let this team spiral into the abyss of the standings and do nothing to improve it. I don't understand the direction. If Wilson thought he was pretty sure that this team wasn't going to be a lottery pick at the end of the season, then why hasn't he addressed the fact that we're currently 27th? I am so confused. Dude, this email could have been written by me, although mine would have had a lot more spelling and grammatical errors. But but this email could have been written by me. This is a very confusing situation the Sharks are in. As you said, they may have turned a corner. Who knows what that means? But the Sharks are in a a difficult position. As we said, I believe, on the last podcast, which was so long ago I don't even remember, the Sharks are not a serious contender to win the Cup at this point, even with Logan Couture back, even winning four in a row. They beat Toronto, for God's sake. They beat Winnipeg. They beat the Oilers, barely. You know, this isn't a team that is crushing top teams. If they go and beat, win in Chicago, and they go win in St. Louis, and they, you know, tonight could be a big game because Dallas is is the head of the Central right now. I mean, you know, these are more marker games, but is there any account? This here's the here's the question: Is there any accountability for Doug Wilson at this point, or does he have just a complete blank check to do whatever he wants? <sighs> So hard to answer. I mean, I would have to, you know, lean towards no. I mean, I think that he's made so many errors in the last two years that, I mean, you can see 
other franchises not tolerating these kinds of mistakes. And, you know, has Doug Wilson had some some great years? Yes. You know, absolutely. Yes, yes. But his blueprint this offseason was to add pieces to make the team better today. And that's adding Paul Martin and Joel Ward and Martin Jones and giving up a major piece of the future in that first round pick to add Martin Jones, Mm -hmm. which right now Martin Jones for, you know, the fourth overall pick would make us all crazy. I Mm -hmm. mean, we, we would go crazy if that was the end result. And even the sharks right now are are 20th in the NHL by the overall standings. Mm -hmm. So uh, would you do Martin Jones for the, for the number 10? Probably not, you know? So um, the sharks are, I, I think philosophically, He's all in right now. Yeah. I mean, he's all in. He's he's in a corner. Like he he can't he can either tear the team down mm-hmm. and which is sort of what we've been calling for for a while. Right. And admit mistakes and and start to <clears throat> say, well, how can I get these picks back and and trade Couture's and Vlasics and Burns's to to make that happen? You know, I think mm-hmm. we all agree the most marketable player on the roster is Joe Pavelski. There's just zero chance that they're going to trade him because he's the captain, the captain one. and the cornerstone of this franchise. And what an awful message to the fans that would be if he was the one to go. But, but it, there's no point in talking about it anymore because it's not going to happen. Like, I mean, the Sharks believe that they can. I heard Pete DeBoer on KBR mm-hmm. defending this team saying this is the right group of guys. He's seen improvement. And even Kevin Curse has started to defend the team, and he's been very critical yes. this entire year, saying the Sharks are playing better. So I think it would not be surprising to see the Sharks continue to move future assets to try and make a push right or wrong mm-hmm. this year because I think he's put himself in that position because right. if they do end up picking in the bottom half mm-hmm. of the draft, they miss the playoffs. Any sane owner would can him. Right. And I don't think he can even allow himself to be put in that position. So, well, here's, here's a less polite way. I think of stating, uh, Tom's question, a more pointed version, which is what would Doug Wilson actually have to do to get himself fired? Which I think is a legitimate question at this point, because honestly, I don't know the answer. I mean, he would literally have to do some stuff that we're, you would wonder if the man should be institutionalized well, in, in terms of like, you know, huh. trade Joe Pavelski for a seventh round pick. You know, I mean, like we're talking on that level, I think. And anything short of that, I think he keeps his job. It's hard to say. I mean, we know just by observing the 49ers this year, how the fans went and had basically an uprising. Yeah at Levi stadium flying messages over the stadium yes. and people stopped going to games, yeah. you know, and stopped caring about the team in a super bowl year. The Niners totally screwed that up and they fired the guy after a year. He was a terrible coach and they got rid of him, mm-hmm. you know, and now they're, they may be made equally as stupid a move, but that I think that if he misses the playoffs, I don't know how you could defend it. Like how, as how could Hasso Plotner, you know, through a, uh, a letter to the fans, cause he won't be here. Right. Uh, defend, defend Doug Wilson. How could he defend it? How could we defend it? How could you rationalize it? Right. Because he's basically mortgaged the future to try and make a run this year. 
by trading that first. If the first is a valuable pick, then it's a terrible move. Right. Right. So I think if he misses the playoffs, dude, I mean, I think that it's, it's a possibility, but as Tom's email says, I mean, we don't know how tight these guys are and how much of a leash he has, right. you know? So <laughs> it's a troubling situation. It could be worse. And I look at the Niners because by all accounts, bulky is somebody that everybody seems to hate. So, right. So except for and, the owner. Right. And and I wouldn't say Doug Wilson is necessarily in that territory. As we mentioned before. Well, Joe he, Thornton hates him. Yeah. Well, yeah. But I mean, like <laughs> all the fans, I mean, it's not I wouldn't say it's unanimous that no. all fans think that Doug Wilson is a is a complete waste of space and needs to be fired. I think even his staunchest defenders, you, me, Tom included, would say that this guy's done a lot of good for the franchise. I wasn't that sad about particularly the Joel Ward or the Paul Martin signings. And I think both of those players have worked out. So you can certainly say that those two particular moves were not bad signings. Uh, You know, we can quibble about money and things like that. We're certainly quibbling more about the overall strategy behind those moves rather than the moves themselves. So, you know, he's not just a complete schlub yet. The franchise seems to be rudderless at this point. A year ago, they were a tomorrow team and now they're a today team with the same core. You know, where does that come from? You know, what, why does he not have to justify those kinds of statements? I have no idea. And I don't know if he's on any kind of leash. He can just run free. It's a, you know, dog off the leash zone. He can run and do whatever he wants. It's a, but that's, that's enough talk about that, dude. What do we see about the Sharks now? And maybe we should talk about the most important thing, the John Scott trade. Well, I think what you're seeing from the Sharks now is in the last five games. And granted, against poor competition, you know, they've allowed, well, Detroit's not poor competition, but I mean, even against Detroit, they allowed two goals. Then against Toronto, zero. Against Calgary, that was a wild game. Yeah. Uh, But they won. Winnipeg, one goal. Edmonton, one goal. So defensively, they they are playing better. Um, You're seeing some of the marquee names play better. You're seeing Martin Jones in this stretch play better. Mm-hmm. And the team is finally healthy. So what can we expect moving forward? Well, I mean, the schedule is, is going to get considerably more difficult yeah. in near the end of the month. I mean, starting tonight against Dallas, which I think... The next month is going to be pretty rough. Yeah, th- this, this game tonight is important because... Dallas is not playing well on the road at all. They're in a little bit of a funk. They've fallen out of the Chicago's past them. Oh, they passed. They've them. Okay. passed them. The Chicago's night, won like 12 in a row or right. something like that. Right. So, I mean, Chicago is Chicago. They've passed them and you've got Dallas, Ottawa, two tough games. And then Arizona's playing well. I mean, so, mm-hmm. uh, and they're revitalized minus John Scott, just revitalized, <laughs> you know, so they've turned the whole thing around. Uh, and then a home game against Minnesota L.A. and Colorado. Colorado's playing way better. Uh, they're in playoff position right now, I believe. So it, these next games, it's, it's you look at the previous six against maybe some cupcakes in Detroit, and these next games are not cupcakes. So they'll be tested a lot more. And home ice, they have it for five of the six. Does it matter? I mean, they have to prove that home ice matters and yeah. that they can make the tank as dangerous as it used to be. I'm more optimistic than I was a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, that they might be able to to win uh, the majority of these games and hold on to that second seed. Uh, but there's a lot left to prove. There's a lot left to prove because this in terms of this team, it, 
they're very much a Jekyll and Hyde team, mm-hmm. you know, great or not, never great, good yeah, or bad, <laughs> right? you know, and, yeah. and clueless sometimes. The thing that's troubling is they still have games and periods where they look like they're just not interested. And that's the stuff I don't understand when you talk about a team that by all accounts still has the same leadership core that they've had from the beginning. And they seem to still have the same motivational problems that they've had from time to time. Right. Right. And, and I, I think the second period against Edmonton qualifies. That was like one of the more boring periods I've seen this season. It was just, you know, Yakupov had a goal, but the sharks just, they seem very listless and they looked good in the first period. I thought, Cam Talbot had some monster saves all throughout that game. He really kept him in it. I thought the Sharks had several chances to win the game outright in the third, and and Talbot made saves. And then I was like, here's here's the collapse. Here's where the Sharks are going to give up one late, and they almost did, and they managed to hold on. And I don't know if there's too many teams against you. You don't want to play a three-on-three against more than Edmonton because they have so many right. young, fast stars. It was just... But it, it it is a lot of fun to see the three-on-three with Burns and the two Joes out there. I mean, the three-on-three, to me, is is dynamite. I mean, right. that's, that is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I'd much rather watch that than watch the shootout. But, you know, that being said, I mean, you could do... A lot, you know, it's hard to do worse than Edmonton in terms of three-on-three. And, I mean, there's two-on-ones, there's outright looks, there's all these kinds of things, and the Sharks managed to win in, in the overtime. But... You know, this is a team that the Sharks should beat, <laughs> you know? I mean, Talbot, uh, you know, went, he made, what, uh, 37 saves uh, and only gave up one goal. So he had, he had an outstanding game, and he really kept him in it. But still, that's still not much of an excuse. They need to win a game against Edmonton at home. And the fact that they couldn't win it outright, sure, they got the two points, it's great. But, you know, Edmonton's not a great defensive team, and the fact that they could not score more than one goal in regulation is still troubling. You know, this is still a team that has plenty of flaws. Yeah. They haven't ironed out all the all the problems yet. Which we've seen a flurry of activity in the last two weeks, really, uh, of tra- teams making trades. And I would like to see the Sharks invest in in a hockey trade. Like, there, a lot of these trades, they've been hockey trades. Like right. you, The one that stands out is the Johansson for Seth Jones trade. Yeah, that's I a mean, big one. That's a hockey trade. Like that's a trade that should work out pretty nicely for both teams. Nashville dealing from a, a major position uh, of strength where you go. You think Johansson's the better end of that deal? Well, right now he is. I mean, but, yeah. but, but if you're Nashville, do you need Seth Jones? You've got Shea Weber, right. Roman Josie. You've got, um, they have uh, Ryan Ellis. They have another kid uh, who's, a young defenseman like you just you just didn't need him like he was playing like third pairing minutes you know uh, Eckholm. yeah so you just you didn't need him and they need what what they've been li- lacking forever yeah. is a number one center since they had Forsberg for a hot second right so now they have a number one center in Ryan Johansson who's just tearing it up six points in four games and Columbus sucks they're going nowhere and you can't get number one defenseman all the time. So basically never and never. Yeah. So why not? I mean, like, that's a good move. So, you know, the thing that I'm kind of keeping an eye on and I don't expect them to be in the mix for it at all is, 
you know, I'm kind of got one eye looking at Jonathan Duran right, and I'm going, right. what the Sharks couldn't use Jonathan Duran? That like, was my next question. I mean, why? And I'm not hearing their name ever attached to it. Like right. you're hearing about other teams, mostly St. Louis supposedly is the team that, and what supposedly Peter Angelo. Um, no, I mean, they're what, what Tampa Bay supposedly wants back is a young NHL ready player who's controllable because they have all kinds of contract issues. So they're not looking to take back, you know, for Duran's salary, some sort of huge salary. Right. Like, you know, there was uh, someone said, well, what about Duran to the Rangers for Keith Yandel? They were talking, I think, to Elliot Freeman about it. And he said they're not interested in that. Like they don't want a guy, a big contract, like a $5 million guy coming on this team where they already have problems. And mm-hmm. then they're going to have Keith Yandel for two months and let him go because they can't. I mean, unless someone's willing to take Matt Carl, which no one will, because he's terrible at this point, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, so would you trade Tomas Hurdle for Jonathan Duran? Oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Now, I don't know if Ronnie Fabry and Tomas Hurdle are comparable. I don't watch the Blues a lot. I looked at their stats. Hurdle has more points, you know, and but Hurdle, even though he's, you know, he's been good and then okay, you know? Yeah. But he's he hasn't shown He's been like the Sharks. He's been not bad. He hasn't shown that breakout ability that we saw two years ago. And Drew Ann, on the flip side, you might go, this guy's done nothing at the NHL level. He's done nothing. Right. Right. But he's he has the ability to be somebody who's pretty much a game breaking, you know, seventy point player. And yeah. is Hurdle ever gonna be that? I thought I heard Shattenkirk and Peter Angelo talked about in the Drew Ann situation. Well, I mean, maybe, but it, the report I heard was that they weren't interested in that, that they wanted a good young player coming the other way, someone who they were going to be able to control financially and someone who could play tonight for them and play meaningful minutes because John Cooper will not play Drew Ann meaningful, meaningful minutes. They, is, is that what the major situation is? I mean, I I really don't understand... You know, clearly there's some sort of breakdown between Duran and the team. Right. And at least from what I've gotten third hand talking to friends and stuff is that, you know, his agent has come out and said basically that he likes everybody. Oh, he loves the coach. He loves the players. He loves his teammates. He loves the trainers. He loves the city. He loves the fans. He basically mentions everybody but the GM. So is this a Stevie Y issue? And is that something that the potential receiving team should be worried about? I mean, this, like you said, this guy hasn't made any NHL noise. Right. Why is he trying to dictate terms to another team at this point? Is this guy a problem? I don't know. I mean, maybe he is. I mean, are you acquiring a problem? I mean, I mean, the, you would think that the guys in the NHL inner circle understand what was really going on. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But from what the the report I heard on Hockey Central was that it's Cooper that does not like Duran. Okay. And that he doesn't like him as a player, doesn't mm-hmm. like him. And so uh won't play him. Like mm-hmm. won't play him meaningful minutes. And that Iserman's kinda a little butthurt that this is the kid they picked number three mm-hmm. and apparently he's a bust. So you gotta choose your coach or Druan and they extended Cooper. So I think there's your answer. Right. So, um, but they're in a dangerous situation cause they're going to trade Druan and then Stamkos walks or stays, but let's say he walks. 
I mean, where are you? Yeah, like, tr- I mean, like you're you're in trouble. So he went from a Stanley Cup like favorite to a middling team with a not a not a first class uh, offensive player. I'm just saying for the Sharks, like I think it's worth a gamble to make a deal like that. And you know, could it be a bust? Yeah, but I don't know what you have to lose. Like, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. I I feel like you know. I don't know if Hurdle's ever going to be like a special player. Like, I think he's going to be a good player. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he's going to be a special player. I don't not like him. I'm just mm-hmm. saying Drewan could be a star. He could be a star. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or he could be awful, you right. know, but I think it might be worth taking a chance. Or he could be Patrick Stefan. Right. But it, it could be worth the risk because what, what do you have to lose at this point? And the team sorely lacks scoring. So you don't think that. Tampa will want one of these sort of most tradable players that the Sharks have. You don't think they're going to want Vlasic? They're not well, going to want Burns? I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do it. And I think that they might, are probably finding there's other teams that won't do that either. Right. You have a young, unproven player yeah, who's already is... having problems with management. Right. It's going to be hard to dictate. I need a slam dunk great NHL player. At this yeah, point. I don't I don't think they can. I don't think they right. can do that. I mean, he's sitting in Syracuse right now playing in the HL. I mean, his value is decreasing on a daily basis the longer this trade doesn't go. I mean, they're not going to get someone to give them a huge asset, mm-hmm. like a, a, a veteran asset. And supposedly they don't even want it. So I don't know. I mean, I I don't know. I'm just curious where they are in this, like if they're in it at all, if they're not, you know, or if they really think that this, this is the core that's going to get it done like they have year after year. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, we're going to go to Julius, our, our friend in Poland. His second question, I think we covered because he was talking about Johansson and, and uh, Johansson and, and uh, the Seth Jones trade. But the first question is about our D dude, which is probably the most consistent question that we've had about this team for the entire season. And his question is, is this, do you think that if, if Martin Jones had more responsible defensemen in front of him, that he would be one of the best goalies in the league? He's bailed out the Sharks several times at the start and show what a great potential he has. Could he just be tired after saving this team's butt all the time? He thinks that might be it, dude. How much, how much do you think, you know, we've seen Seth Jones certainly not tearing up the league, although he's had some really good games as of late, but how much, where, where does Jones end and the, de- and the defense begin? Well, I think we've seen the defense play better mm-hmm. in, you know, five of the last six games, you know, and, and it's been a collaborative effort. I mean, if you have everybody playing like Brent Burns in that end, you know, yeah, you're dead. You're, you're, you're having to make these miraculous stops over and over and over again. And, and you just, you, it's not possible. Like you, you can't do that. So I'm sure there is a connection. Absolutely. There's right. a connection. seems like Dylan DeMello has gotten a stranglehold on this number six, you know, D pairing. I still wouldn't mind them seeing, trying, how can they upgrade that seventh spot? You know, so if something happens to DeMello, you know, it doesn't make you feel very good that Tennyson is the next guy, you know, who's basically lost his playing time again. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. he, he's a non-factor to me. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And frankly, there is a correlation, I think, too. I think there is, too. And I think, frankly, this is one of the sort of the wild and woolly areas of advanced statistics in the, in the hockey world. And I think a lot of people would love to answer this question. You know, people have talked about shot quality, which is really difficult to sort of measure. You talk about where shots are made and the grid of the rink and things like that. And and uh, I don't have those numbers right in front of me, but I, I'm sure that 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 matters. Right. If if Jones was playing behind Keith and Seabrook, he'd probably look a lot better. <laughs> Right. And it makes you wonder how good Corey Crawford is, for instance. Right. But anyway, in terms of DeMello, the thing about DeMello, which I think is possibly the best thing I could say about him, is I never notice him on the ice. I watch the games, never notice him. And, you know, as a third pairing defenseman, that's really not that bad of an evaluation. To be perfectly honest. To be perfectly honest, you don't want to see God geez, what a terrible giveaway again by DeMello. I mean, that's really what you're hoping to avoid, especially a guy that was really not on the radar a year or two ago as a guy who would be on the roster every night. So in terms of DeMello, I'm relatively happy with the way he's been playing. You know, he's not, he doesn't have the best, he's not playing with Vlasic, so he doesn't have like, he can't lean on a a stalwart NHL defenseman, and he's still kind of getting it done. I don't have a huge problem with DeMello right now. No, I I think the problem isn't in, Who's playing now? The problem is when someone goes down, mm-hmm. we've seen this and then Dylan has to move up. Right. And then it all falls apart. And the depth on defense is poor. And whether you've got six that are playing well, that's great, you know. But uh, if the seventh guy probably shouldn't be in the league, then, then you got you've got a major problem, yeah. you know, and, and that's been the situation all year, basically. So um, the Sharks have the same issues up front. You know, I mean, really, they've got the same issues up front. And, and finally, you know, we're seeing Barkley Goudreau play well at the AHL level. He's an AHL all-star, right. which is great for him. And, and it's too bad that, you know, he had to kind of bounce around before he found that, right? Before he found that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad, and I'm actually glad that Mirko Mueller hasn't been bouncing around you know, in a way, I'm almost I'm almost glad they're not they're they're playing Tennyson and Demello instead of Mueller, right? right? Well, because if they really think Mueller's going to be a good NHL player, then don't play him ten minutes a night every four nights. Yeah, I totally agree with you, and and they're doing that now. Finally, with Goudreau, Mueller, and Goldobin, leave them alone. Like, right, leave them alone. Like stop, and they're still kind of shuttling them back and forth. Like, a little just bit. Let, leave them alone. Let them play for the Barracuda. Let them play sixty games down there. Be the stars of that team and let them develop because there's sorely lacking in that in that department, you know, and even though we've got some some good prospects, you know, in Timo Meyer and and uh, you know, Wah, right? Mm-hmm. Or Roy. I don't know what you said. Was it Roy Wah? I think it's Wah. Um, you know, those kids are not even they're still playing junior, right? Or they're mm-hmm. still playing overseas and, and, and they're not ready Next year, they should do the same thing with them. Mm-hmm. Leave them alone for a little while. You know, you want to want to see what it does for their development. Yeah, no, I, I agree, dude. In other NHL news, I just saw that uh, the Kings have re-signed Kopitar. So do you think the Kings will get a bump from this? I know this has been very big in the news lately. Maybe not as big as the whole Stamkos for the Lightning th- situation, but... But Kopitar is very much the cornerstone of the Kings franchise, and now he's signed a long-term extension. He's essentially going to be there for the rest of his career, barring a trade, although I, I can imagine he has a no-trade clause or no-movement clause or limited or something. But he's getting $10 million a year for eight years. Is this going to help the Kings? Yeah, of course. I yeah. mean, 
it absolutely it provides some stability and like calms down the whole team and the management and the fans and you know that absolutely that helps them right you know um th- there's uh there's something to be said for that you know when you've got your team leader uh on edge you know i think tampa's ups and downs we're seeing that this year i mean like the it's hard for them to look around the room and go is stamco's gonna be here in right. like four months like and then he's not talking about it. And mm-hmm, like, it's mm-hmm. this like shroud of secrecy. It's gotta be weird. Like, yeah. you know, like if we're doing the podcast and I know that in four months, like you may not do it anymore. Right. Like, but we don't talk about it. Right. Right. We're just sort I of just sitting here pretending. I just know that in four months, like you might not come back. It'd be weird. Like it would, there's, there's something weird about that. And sure it's a business and these guys can get traded all the time, but you can't tell me that doesn't have an effect. It does. It absolutely does. Yeah. You can see in how the teams are playing. And LA's responded. I mean, they're playing well. So, I mean, that that's a good move. It makes sense for them, of course. Dude, we also have to talk about the All-Star game. I know <laughs> all this stuff has happened since we last did the whole John Scott situation. John Scott was traded to Montreal. Now I see that he may not even play in the All-Star game, even though he was the elected the captain. Dude, what exactly is going on, and, wh- and what is your opinion on all these uh, machinations? I think this is messed up. I think it's, I think it's pretty messed up, dude, actually. What, what, is, I've heard, what is messed okay? up? Well, from what I heard is that Arizona and the NHL asked John Scott to forego his spot at the all-star game and his family convinced him to resist said, when will you ever have the opportunity to do something like this again? Cause I guess Scott was apparently irritated by the whole thing anyways. Cause he knew it was a joke. Right. And like, you know, it didn't feel like being a joke. Right. But now that like he was, no in one it, wants to be like the right, punchline. Right. You know? So now that he was in it, like, why he's, not? He's like, screw it. I'll go. Right. Yeah. And personally, all-star games are freaking boring. Yes. So, I mean, do you, I mean, if people are like, well, he's just going to take a, he's not going to take a run at anybody. Yeah. He's not an idiot. Yeah. Like, I mean, this guy, I mean, it, are you it'd crazy? Be, be hilarious theater. It'd be like when John crack stood at the other side of the plate and basically ran away from Randy Johnson every time he pitched the ball. Right. Like that was the funniest moment I've ever seen in an all-star game. Like they, he basically looked like he was going to cry every time he's, he stood on the opposite side because he didn't want to get hit on his actual hitting side. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and it was funny. Like, I mean, like that kind of energy entertainment like it could have been funny you put him on a line with two great players and see what happens can you get john scott to score a goal yeah like it could be just like this great theater the fans would have been totally behind it uh, totally so i would have been behind it apparently now they've traded him they traded to montreal right? right and montreal sends him down to the hl and now that he's in the HL and he won't be coming back up, apparently, they say they're not going to use him all year, that he's ineligible to play in the All-Star game. Now, I don't know if they've made a ruling on that officially yet, but supposedly that's what this whole thing is. I just watched a lot of uh, Making a Murderer on Netflix, <laughs> so I'm really into conspiracy theories right now. Nice, nice. I think this stinks, dude. I yeah. think it stinks. I think that these teams and the NHL could have possibly colluded in order to like make this... Go away. I think that's entirely likely. And that sucks. I don't think he deserves that. And I think the fans should be upset because they voted for it to happen. Right. And now you've basically said, oh, fan vote. But, oh, you know what? Oh, you guys, you guys really screwed this up. No fan vote. Right. Sorry. 
No, I'm I'm actually 100% in agreement with you. I think if you're going to leave the voting to the fans, it is absolutely inevitable that something like this is going to happen. It's- absolutely inevitable. <laughs> if you're going to put it in the hands of the fans, then they're going to elect Gergensons or whoever from right. Latvia. Right. Or they're going to, uh, you know, select some Rory Fitzpatrick. Right. Like there was a few years ago. Or they're going to select John Scott. And it's like, them's the breaks. If you give the the voting in the hands of the fans, then they can vote for whomever they want. So this is what you get. And they elected John Scott. And yeah, it probably doesn't feel super great for him to be like, ha ha, I'm the joke selection. But you know what? He was he was selected and that's how it works. And if he wants to play, then he should be able to play, in my opinion. And of course, he's not going to take a run at somebody. I mean, the guy's not a complete troglodyte. He's not just like (laughs) completely stupid. This is the other thing. When I heard this, it really, really irritated me. You know, his wife is expecting twins. Oh, my God. Really? They traded him. That is lame. Away from his family. Like, I just think that that is so, so lame. Like, if you're Arizona, you signed this guy. Right. You, you didn't have to sign this guy. We all knew what John Scott was. You signed him out of your own free will. Right. You signed him. You brought him onto your roster. And now you're going to treat him like a piece of garbage and trade him to, you know, Montreal. Right. So that you can save the, the, the money that you needed to acquire, you know, whoever it was that they acquired from. They got uh, Jared Tenorti. I, did they? Or yes. did he end up in, is that who they ended up with? They I mean, traded that, Scott so, and somebody but, else but for Jared Tenorti. But they're so Tenorti. far under the cap, it didn't matter. Right. You couldn't absorb. This guy, you're treating him like garbage. Yeah. yeah. You're going to treat him like garbage. Like, and the, and the he's thing making is, his family there in Arizona. His wife is expecting, it's, it sucks. Really makes me mad. It, it, it's like they're punishing him for something he has no control over. He didn't over. do this. Right. So, okay, you know what? So if he had said, yes, I won't play in the All-Star game, would he still be a Coyote? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe. That's messed up. Yeah, I think it's lame because, I mean, the thing about John Scott, and, you know, I'm trying to sidestep the argument about whether, you know, guys of his type should be employed in the NHL or not. But the fact is, is that multiple teams, I mean, it's pretty obvious the guy can't, play hockey that well okay you know okay all things aside but but the fact is that multiple teams have still signed this guy and i think you can find a lot of guys who can't play hockey to play on your team and for some reason multiple teams have signed john scott he's been in the league a long time and i think there's a lot of people say he's a great teammate he's great in the room and i think that's probably one of the reasons why arizona signed him and now they're just gonna throw him away i think it's lame you're right i think they're they're punishing him for something he has no control over and they ship him to montreal and montreal is going to punish him continue the punishment for whatever and i hope the league wasn't involved but i i definitely think they were because i'm with you it's a conspiracy well if the league wants to make it right they should say it doesn't matter that he's in the NHL. He was voted to the NHL All-Star game while he was an active NHL player. Right. He is playing. And that's what they should do. Right. They should do that. Because they have plenty of leverage over the AHL. And then you know what? Whoever's the NHL All-Star game coach. Right. You don't have to put him on the ice. Yeah, play him a little bit. Play him a couple play him shifts. Play him for a couple shifts. And Who then cares? he can sit there. Right. Or he can sit there the whole time. Right. If they don't want to play him. And he could just, he could just smile and, you right. know... Be happy to be there. Who cares? Right. I think he should play. I think he should be there and he should play. It's not like the all-star game has like some like reputation of, you know, like some serious reputation it needs to hold. The all-star game has been a joke for years. Like no one even watches it. I've watched the skills competition and not the game for as many times as I can. And actually because of the three on three format, I'm probably actually going to watch the all-star game. Sure. Yeah. I think that's so much more exciting. You want to see John Scott playing three on three? I would kill. I want to see that. I want to see that, dude. I want to see that. Yeah. Like him and Joe Thornton and, uh, you know, and like, 
Ryan Suter on the ice at the same time. Yeah. I mean, that would be amazing. I want to ask you about two things before we end this, dude. Okay. How relieved are you that Mike Richards signed with the Capitals and not the Sharks? I am relieved. I am relieved. I mean, maybe he fooled the Capitals. How do you like now that you have uh, the Capitals? He they were your pick in the Vegas bet. <laughs> I like that. I like that on multiple levels. One, they're not with the Sharks, and two, they're on a team that you think might win the <laughs> cup. <laughs> Well, I think if he sucks like he did in L.A., I mean, the thing is, what we don't know is, does he did he suck when he was L.A. because he had a substance abuse problem? Right. We don't. I mean, we don't know that. No. I mean, because he completely fell off the map like two years ago. He was pretty good. Yeah. Helped them win a cup. Right. And then all of a sudden he went completely in the toilet. Right. Maybe he had clearly. I mean, he had problems. Yeah. Maybe he's clean now and maybe he's going to be a good player again. If he is, then. Good move by the Capitals. I mean, good good depth move. Mm-hmm. He's terrible, slow, not going to help. Barry Trotz is not going to play him out of some sort of, you know, honoring the GM. Right. He'll be gone. I mean, they'll just go True. bury him in the HL. So I think for them, it's no risk. I mean, for the Sharks, I don't see what the point would have been. Like, right. what's the point? Why, why would we need a marginal fourth-line player? We got enough of those. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And then uh, how about uh, Bob Murray basically admitting that he's royally messed up that Carl Hagelin deal and the Rangers also admitting that Emerson Edom sucks and they <laughs> they made that swap and now they've both they're both gone like they should just undo it five months later. They should just vote. I don't think the, they <laughs> They should just trade him back. I don't remember a situation like that. Yeah. Where both I, teams hate it. Like, they hated the results of the trade, and then they just went and traded the guys again. Is Hagelin still playing? Hagelin's with Pittsburgh, and he got traded for David Perron. Oh, wow. So I missed that somehow. Yeah, that happened yesterday. Oh, okay. okay. So Hagelin got traded yesterday to Pittsburgh for David Perron. So It's not a bad deal. Well, I thought Perron was playing good minutes with Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's really in trouble. Yeah, I I don't know. (laughs) It's just funny. I mean, that, that whole... That whole situation just it just made me laugh. Yeah, the whole Anaheim thing is pretty funny. Yeah. Although they're no longer last, so I guess there's there there's. Oh, that. Anaheim is uh, is is playing way better. I mean, you look there; they've got points in their eight of their last ten. I mean, they're they're on the rise, and you know, I think that that is a concern. You know, for the Sharks, that I fully expect Anaheim to be a playoff team. Like they're going to be a playoff team. There, there's no way if you look in the Pacific, like they're going to they're four points out right now, mm-hmm. and like. Three weeks ago, they were the worst team in the NHL. Right. Like, they're going to be a playoff team. So, can the Sharks get home ice against them? Let's try. Yeah, let's you know what I mean? Out. Let's try. Because uh, we're only a point ahead of them right now. Dude, should the Sharks trade for Dan Boyle? <laughs> yes. I think I was... <laughs> Yes. I think Andy Venture, somebody said, like, the Sharks should maybe trade. And then it, it had, like, a picture of Dan Boyle. And I'm like... Sharks should trade for Dan Boyle. <laughs> as much as my heart would love that. Oh, no, no. I can't imagine that no, being a no, good deal. No, no, no. That's, that's not. And they don't have the cap anyway. But no. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Rangers are playing well. They are. They are, dude. Yeah. I, I, Washington's ahead. Yeah, you're good there. I, I can't remember if I have Florida or not. I have Florida. You have Florida? I have Detroit. Ooh. But I have Tampa Bay and you Boston too. and Montreal. That's true. And, and then I have Washington, and I also have the Rangers. Yes, so you do. And I have, I the, have the top four teams in the East. Okay? And I have Chicago and Dallas. That's true. And, and you have I L.A. Ha- and I have L.A. And you have Arizona. Yeah. So you have the top four teams in the West. Right. I have St. Louis. I have Minnesota. I mean, so I'd have, you know, I, I'm, I'm fairly comfortable, you know, looking and going, okay, you know what? Like, 
I think as a core, you have a better crop of teams, mm-hmm. but I still think I have the best team and that's Washington. So mm. uh, dude, that's how I felt from the beginning. Disagree. And, well, we'll see when Chicago's we're sitting in Vegas, awesome. we're sitting in Vegas for that fifth time. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see, dude. I just hope that if, if uh, Tampa Bay re-signs Stamkos, I'm going to be feeling a whole heck of a lot better about it's this not Vegas gonna happen. thing. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen in season. Like I think they're, I think you're right. They're going to wait. They're going to want to give him. Now that Kopitar is signed, though, that's the. I mean, now they know what. Well, now they know what the low bar is for Stamkos. Well, it never was going to be. I mean, the the bar for Stamkos is is the Kane contract, the Kane and Taze contract. Right, right, right. And they're making ten, what? Ten. ten, ten, or more. Well, more. Kopitar got eight years, to eighty million. So, like, that's that's. He's got to make more. That's the low bar for Stamkos. He's going to make more. Yes, he's going to make eleven. Right. He'll make what? It, uh, there's a max contract, right? There's a max. There's a max amount for players. I think. I can't remember what I it is. I don't know. But Whatever yeah. it is, he's going to get that. Yeah. And and I think he knows if he's not going to get it from Tampa, he's going to get it from somewhere else, <coughs> Toronto. So like. Totally. I, I don't think he's going to stay. I don't think he's going to stay. Why would he go to Toronto, though? That makes no sense. They have nothing. They have no People core. do this all the time. Like, they, they, they move for bizarre reasons. Yeah. Like, and for him, maybe playing it closer to home and making a ton of money is more important than winning. Or yeah. maybe he believes he can be the... Re- the center of the rebirth of that team. It's like Mike Babcock, right? You want to believe that you can turn this thing around. I think around. he at least wants to hear. Yeah. He wants to hear. You know, wants to hear the official pitch. Right. And he and right now he can't even talk to any other teams because he's still under contract. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm sure his sure. I'm sure his I agent mean, sure. is making Okay, yeah. Some but I inquiries. think he knows that there's gonna be a ton of interest from anybody who has any cap space. There, you know. Of course. There's gonna be interest. He's the premier offensive player in the right. league right now. So why wouldn't you want to listen? I mean, I, unless you were totally sure that you were in the perfect situation, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if he's totally sure. I don't know. Yeah. Well, clearly he's not, or else he probably would have signed already. Dude, a nice long podcast. Usually you cut us off before we get to this point. I know, but it's been like three weeks. I feel like we sort of owe it to the three listeners that we have left. Last yeah. last question. Yeah. Rafi Torres played last night for the Barracuda. Mm-hmm. And I guess he played, you know, you know semi-regular shifts and apparently experienced no discomfort. Okay. When are you expecting him to be in San Jose? Um, immediately before he experiences discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, I am so not optimistic about his ability to Will he to play, play in San Jose before the end of the month of January? Um... I'm going to say no. If the Sharks keep playing well, then I don't think they're going to bring him up. I think they're really going to want to take a good look at Torres to make sure he's healthy. But how long can he play in the AHL on a conditioning stint? It's like it's like less than 10 games. There's okay. some there's some game limit. All right. But I know they can bring him back. I'm sure they want him to play, but man, I, until I see him play 6 games in a row for the Sharks, I am not going to believe that he has the ability to be a regular player. In pro hockey, period. Right. right? And, and uh, you know, we'll see how it, how it works out in the AHL, but I am not optimistic. To me, it's just pure gravy if he can play. And that could be, could he be the ace in the hole for the Sharks? I don't know. I mean, we saw firsthand how different the Sharks play with this guy in the lineup. I mean, it was a palpable change. 
But and this I, was before, you know, 50 cadaver, you know, ligaments got yes, put in his knee. Of course. But even when he came back and was playing a kind of a different role, mm-hmm. he still he was, he was like scoring. This is easy. Yeah. Like, I mean, like he just changed the look of the team. It'll be very, very interesting to see what happens when he comes back and if he can keep his head out of his ass. Right. You know, it, it, how the Sharks play. I mean, he has to know at this point. Well, dude, wouldn't you think he'd known before? I know. I mean, I, I, I know I say it every time. I'm just, an it's idiot. hard. It's going to be hard for him because you know, he basically can't make contact with anybody, right? He I has mean, such a low, he's going to have to change his game completely. He has to basically not play that way. He has to, and the thing is, we know he's got the skill. Yeah. He's, he's got the skill, right? He's drafted as a skill. Player. Can But part of his, his playing style is he, he can't just go out and be another skill player. Why he not? He has to be somewhat of an intimidating presence. Can he, I don't know if he can play like that anymore or he's going to be banned for 80 games. I think he's going to have to modulate his play and find some sort of balance where he still makes contact with people. I mean, look at Tommy Wingles. I mean, Tommy Wingles hits people all the time. Sure. But Tommy Wingles doesn't have the reputation. True. True. I think it's, I mean, think a borderline hit from Torres gets them suspended. Yeah, you're right. For someone else, it may get nothing. So I still think he can play a physical game without making borderline hits. I, I would like to think that someone could make that adjustment, but I would have thought that before the preseason. <laughs> That's so, true. You know, I mean, he's got two strikes against him. He's got the knee and this like right. no margin of error. I mean, you know, he's the he's third really... strike will be the cup in the air. Oh God, I wish. Dude. All right. Well, we got an exciting week coming up, dude. And uh, we're actually going to be going to go to a game together coming up, which is, you know, the first time this year. I know. So looking forward to it's that. It's going to be awesome. Well, thanks for finding us again. Those of you who have lost the URL of Dudes on Hockey, if you manage to find us again, tell your friends. And hopefully we'll be back on a more regular schedule now that 2016 has begun. And we wish everyone a belated Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Actually, no, we didn't after Christmas. So a belated Happy New Year to everybody. And let us know what you think. And we'll be back again hopefully next week. Okay, go Sharks. Go Sharks. Show? Want to get your questions on the air? Email questions at dudesonhockey.com. Dudes on Hockey is not affiliated with the San Jose Sharks organization or the National Hockey League.